Hello, everyone, and welcome to an Optimal Bio podcast. Today, it's kind of fun and, and I think interesting because because Optimal Bio is focused on the individual, it's important, I think, and I feel it's important that you get to know our partners, Dr. Hamid Bakhtiard. Could you just tell us about yourself and your background? Because it's fascinating. Thank you very much for having me. Yes, absolutely. I um, emigrated here from Iran back in 1986 and I had to put myself through school and learn the language and of course provide for myself and um, I earned a bachelor's degree in chemistry and then I had to work for a few years then went back in uh, during my midlife decision-making process to pharmacy school and graduated from pharmacy school and I started Carolina Compounding Pharmacy two years after my graduation and I have been a compounding pharmacist ever since. Why did you decide to go in that direction? Um, had a keen interest in bench chemistry. However, the issue with bench chemistry was that I was almost always in a room by myself in a lab conducting experiments. But that side of me who was the people approaching and the people interaction was not satisfied. So I was trying to find a graduate course of study for me that would allow me to essentially marry the two. And once I found out about compounding pharmacy, that was just it for me, the perfect mix and match of my background and the new body of knowledge that I was about to learn. Well, let's talk about that. What is it that you actually do? A great question. When a prescription comes in from a doctor, we compound a medication for a person. What that means is that we take two or more different ingredients and we make them into that specific form that the doctor prescribes. Of course, this is all done through a collaborative approach. For example, we're lucky enough to be um, having this strategic alliance, although the strategic alliance does not mean there's any financial relationship, but the strategic alliance based on collaboration, true and accurate collaboration with Dr. Greg Brannan, we can put our heads together and come up with the best formulation, with the best dose for a particular patient at a time. And that's what gives me a lot of satisfaction. It allows me to put my experience and knowledge, clinical knowledge and experience into use and to getting somebody from where they are to their optimal health under the care of their physician. I think you said something very, very important in that I bet folks don't really think about. When you go to the store, you have a few choices when it comes to uh, pharmaceuticals, but you tailor make the prescription to the individual. Yes, we do. And this is that's where the beauty of it. Say, for example, take something such as an underactive thyroid condition. Now, although there are different thyroid medications on the market that a physician can, can prescribe, what we do, we can make them in the concentrations that are not available. We can also mix and match different thyroid hormones. We can also make them into either an immediate release form or a slow release form. And this is all done based on fine mathematics, a lot of equipment. We use the latest in science and in technology to help us get from where we are to the finished product. And it's all done to help take care of that one patient's individual needs. I want to bring in Tyler Brannon, who's the CEO of Optimal Bio, and let's talk a little bit about the partnership here, because this is kind of the mantra, is it not? Individualism. And this fulfills that, doesn't it? Yes, that's definitely the mantra, and also quality. Whenever people ask, you know, what does, op- like, what's, does Optimal, what makes Optimal Bio different? Um, I've been thinking about that lately, and the one word I keep going back to is quality quality of care, quality of vendors we use, quality of um, 
you know, pellets prescriptions that we use, as well as quality of customer service. So there's two reasons we love working with uh, Carolina Compounding, and one is the quality of the actual prescriptions that we are ordering from our patients because we know where they're being made, who is making them, and that our patients are getting the highest quality, which in turn makes them feel their best, as well as Quality of customer service, that is huge for us because even though we're using different vendors for different things, they're still our patients. So we want to know that when we prescribe the prescription for our patient, that when the patient's dealing with the pharmacy, that they're gonna get the same quality of care as if they were calling us and um, being at our office. And that's huge because it's still our name, it's still our patient, even though we're not the pharmacist. So using Carolina compounding, it really, you know, we feel so good about sending our patients there because of the quality of the medicine as well as the quality of the customer service. I'd like to add to to what Tyler beautifully described. Um, I set out um, in my pharmacy with a mission of, of providing the highest quality of products, the white gloves, world-class customer service, and the most reasonable market prices so that our patients did not have to choose between either of the three. They can get all three in one place, and uh, I'm really proud of that. How do you do this? I mean, where do you get the ingredients? Is it the same stuff that the the big pharmaceuticals use? Is it different? Tell me a little bit about that. Um, Excellent question. Yes, absolutely. We get our stuff from sources that are registered and inspected by the FDA. As you know, most sources for most drugs are not in the country anymore. For various reasons, they've been shipped off overseas. But everything we get in meets or exceeds United States Pharmacopeia guidelines. And USP is the abbreviation for that. USP guidelines is the Bible for for our world, the pharmaceutical world. That's our starting material. Everything does come in with a certificate of analysis. If it doesn't have that, it does not enter the building. And we often send those materials out to be tested. We also test our process to make sure that the finished product complies with what the label says it is. For example, when prescription prescribes, say for example, progesterone 250 milligrams, we want to be able to show that the capsules do contain 250 milligrams each, and we keep those records on file. Tyler, what does this mean for the patients? It means that they're actually getting what we are prescribing, which means they get the full benefits. For progesterone specifically, we've had a lot of women with breakthrough bleeding and by changing their prescriptions to Carolina compounding that is stopped and it's because the quality is 250 or whatever their prescription may be um, so it's the quality and that the patients are getting the full benefits are feeling the best. Well, Dr. Hamid, what's your vision for CCP? My vision is in two parts. Number one is to, of course, as a business, this is now I have the entrepreneur hat on, is to expand and grow. And number two vision, which is just as important, is not to ever lose sight of who we are, where we came from, and the, the sole reason for our existence, which is out there to help take excellent care of our patients in working hand-in-hand and collaboratively with our doctors. Jim, go ahead and jump in here. Jim is a partner and a patient here at Optimal Bio. Doctor, you've been very humble in this podcast so far, but let's walk back to pre-1986. Can you describe us Describe to us your childhood, what it was like living in Iran, and what was the primary motivation to come here? Absolutely. Thank you very much, Jim. My childhood, the 1979 revolution, it was in a way normal childhood um, up until the revolution happened and everything changed. 
about a year after that, the eight year long war with Iraq started and uh, that was when I was in high school. And there was a lot of uncertainty in the future and there was a lot of being bombed and missiled late at night, early in the morning during the day. So we're in constant state of fear running for our lives essentially, being always afraid, always on the go. So I studied very hard. All my life I had been trained to study hard and go to school and become educated. My family, nobody in my family had ever owned a business. They were all employees of companies and other people. At that time, there was a major test in Iran called Concure. They have the same equivalent in France. It's called Libak. You would study all year. You would pass that one exam. Before you even took the exam, you were supposed to to um, choose the course of study, the seat at the particular university to get in. It was a filtration process. Essentially, that's what it was. So I passed that test three times in, in a row. And every year, the newly government would come back and say that um, they would say to me that I wasn't religious enough. They were right about that. And I'm still not religious enough. I did not meet the criteria to go sit in a university, uh, in, a, in a class. So my father and I talked about it as to what I was going to do. And um, we decided for me to come to America. I had no, I had never been to America. No one in my family had ever been to America. My extent of, of and knowledge of America was John Wayne movies and the sitcoms that would come across, you know, and Cadillac cars and Ford Mustangs. Now remember, this is the age before the internet. This is where people did not have cell phones. They hadn't even been invented there. Uh, there was, this is the age of if you would write a letter, you would actually write a letter and it would take about two months to get from one country to the States. I um, went to Turkey, the country, and spent three months there seeking a visa. I was granted a visa, and promptly I moved here to the U.S. This is in January of 1986. Was it hard to, for the government to allow you to leave? Was, it, was there a lot of weight, a lot of paperwork, a lot of rejection? Yes. There were, at that time, there were 11 different checkpoints at the airport for somebody to leave the country. It was not as simply as we have it here that you purchase simply purchase your airline ticket, you have your passport, have a nice flight. Um, so there would um, eleven s- different processes, and um, and they wanted me to um, they wanted to make sure that I would return. They wanted certain other commitments which I had to give, and of course I had to give them up later to come here to to study. And Jim, all I wanted to do was to go to school and get an education. I was never a political person, you know, we were never rich. I came from my parents were teachers. Well, I come from a background of very ordinary, normal people, but hardworking people. So, and when I got here, my, my father told me, the last thing he told me at the airport before I left, he said, son, you know, America is the land of opportunities, but do keep in mind that nobody is going to give you anything for free. And that if you want something, you have got to put your back to it. And that same blue collar work ethics is what I brought to the table with me at every single job that I've had from manning a gas station to a convenience store, all the way up to owning my own pharmacy. So it has been a path, but I've kept the same mentality and at the same thankfulness for everything that I have, including my freedom, my freedom of speech, my freedom of choice, and uh, I'm just a grateful person. So when you come over here, you're by yourself. Yes. And did you have relatives that were here? How, where did you stay? What did you do? I, I did not. I was here. I was 19 years old when I came here. I did not speak any English. And the most important unknown to me was the culture, the American culture. Here we write from left to right. In Iran, we write from right to left. And of course, numbers are different. Everything is different. Um, so I got here at JFK airport. 
and my first uh, I-20, which is a form that allows you to go to a um, college, was down in St. Petersburg, Florida. So somehow I ended up in Florida. I still don't know how. <laughs> but I started there, and then I um, started looking at, at um, different places I could go because I was running out of money very quickly. And I decided on North Carolina, and I resided in Raleigh at the time, and I've been here ever since. Did you go to college here? Yes, sir. I went to. I, I came over from Iran with only a high school degree, so I went to Campbell University the first time in 1986. Four years later, I earned my bachelor's degree in chemistry. I had to work for nine years to pay the debt off for my bachelor's degree, and then I could go to graduate school. And during this time, I was debating what to do, and this is when I decided to go to pharmacy school. Campbell obviously is in not as cosmopolitan as Raleigh. How many foreign students back then, and how did you cope with all that? Um, there were not many foreign students back then, certainly not many Iranians then, but it was in a way, you know, you, I'm a survivor. So you learn to survive, to adapt to new situations, and, and um, I endured many, many Thanksgivings and Christmases with no one else, literally no one else uh, on college except for me and the locals and the maintenance people. So, and a handful of other people from different countries, but um, it was a process and I'm, I'm grateful for it. It made, a, made me a better person and uh, I'm just thankful. Well, prior to your entrepreneurship, what was the most rewarding job you had prior to running CCP? The most rewarding job was a period where I worked um, as a technician for Duke University's Nicotine Research Center. And although that was about a year, year, year and a half long experience for me, but um, my boss at the time, who's also the inventor of nicotine patches that a lot of people use to quit smoking, he recognized my abilities and he essentially would discuss a problem with me and uh, he would ask me to find a solution for it. And it was then, I'm also very mechanically inept. So I, I would take my experience and I had um, a decent set of computer skills. I would make machines and devices to get him from point A to point B build data acquisition systems that would help run clinical trials. So that was a very important important piece for me that I think I, in, retros in retrospect, I think that seeing the results, the fruit of my work is what made me really happy. So fast forward today, did any of your family end up following you from Iran? Do you have a family here today? Kind of give us a little highlight on what's going on there. Yes, um, years ago my um, parents both came over, they're now deceased, and they would come, you know, stay over the summers and would visit with me. I, uh, I have two children here. They're, um, one is in college, one is not, and um, I am remarried here. My brother, his wife, and his child are also here. So that's all the immediate family that I have here. And how big is your company? How many people do you have working for you? I have four full-time people, and in addition to myself, you know, working there, and I have uh, one part-time person. Uh, we, um, but they're fully trained. We spend a lot of resources making sure that my employees know exactly what they're doing, engaged in activities. So a lot of us entrepreneurs are never really satisfied, right? We start a business and we do it for multiple reasons. And in my case, at least, you know, I felt like I'll be home free if I can have enough money to pay for my kids' college. And we're gonna, you know, let's say be a $5 million business. And then when you get there, you're really busy and then you know you're not satisfied with five so you want to get to 10 and you want to get to 20 and so on and so forth in your case based on all of your experience and everything else what is your satisfied level at this point in time are you satisfied or do you want to do more 
I'm not satisfied, certainly. My, my most important motivator is success. It's not money for me. And you know, I respect that there are different motivators for different people. But it's success. And success, its definition to me is, is doing right by people and making things right. And I know that money will come on the back end of this. So once I have a, a, a successful relationship with someone, solve a problem for them. Jim, you and I know as entrepreneurs that people come to us um, whoever who comes to us has a problem that needs solving. And once we get engaged into that, the money piece is going to come. So for me, the most gratifying thing, the next level of challenge is to tackle the next level of problems and trying to solve them. So we have three entrepreneurs in a room. Any advice you would give us? I don't think I'm at any level or point to give you guys uh, any advice, but uh, clearly you're successful people, clearly. Keep rocking. I love that. That could be on a bumper sticker. Keep rocking. Dr. Amid, what a pleasure. And what a great story. And we, we are very, very happy that you're a part of everything that's being done here at Optimal Bio. And for those of you listening, thank you. If you have any questions, well, you certainly can explore the website or you're always invited to give us a call. Thank you for listening.